welcome home to Sugar Hill Church. My name's Chuck, and they let me be the pastor around here, and I'm so glad. I've been around about nine years or so, and thanks for sharing your Sunday morning with us today. My teaching this morning is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, and it's a directive given to us from Jesus, I mean directly from the Lord, but it's very often misquoted, and it is frequently misunderstood. Our culture today uses Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, that reads, judge not lest you be judged to promote a tolerance that often encourages acceptance of behaviors that the Bible would forbid. You know, that was not Jesus's intention. So what did Jesus mean when he told us not to judge? Now, here's what I want to be careful on. We have, uh, we have kind of three different groups of people when it comes to this text in any room. All right, so like, judge not, lest you be judged. We have one group of people who's like, yeah, that's right. You better not be judging me. We got another group of people that are like, you know, I don't think I'm really judgmental. Uh, but every now and then, it's pretty clear that those people. And then you got a whole nother group that's like, yeah, don't be judging me. I mean, we got, we got, a, we got a whole span of folks that are, that are in this room. Now, when I think about this text... It's, it's appropriate for us to look at this. Judge not. Okay, this is one side of the scale of justice. Judge not. And then, but you're going to be judged. All right, now here's the key. I want you to look at this. In, in, in our culture, we would say that the scales of justice are blind. Like if you go to the Supreme Court and you look and you see that you, you see Lady Justice, she's holding that scale and they're even and she has a blindfold because it's supposed to be blind. In the scales of godliness and in the scales of God's justice, justice is never blind. It is wide open. God is not hiding it and he has not made it difficult to determine. But he's also said to us very clearly, and he's speaking to people that are followers of Jesus. He's saying, don't be judging others because, remember, you're going to be judged. Now, here's the key to getting the entire teaching. Matthew chapter 7, that first part is about judgment, but as it continues, it's really more about discernment. Discernment being that the Spirit of God within us as followers of Jesus gives us directives and understanding that keeps our correction and our direction and our application all in the right place. The Holy Spirit of God gives us that. You ever been walking down a, a hallway and you thought, I don't need to be here? That's the Spirit of God. You ever been in a conversation where you think, I need to get out of this? That's the Spirit of God. Ever done something, said something, been something, and you immediately knew that's not how I'm to be as a follower of Christ? That's the Spirit of God telling us. All right? So when we get and understand that, we understand that the scales are always at work. Don't be judging because you are being judged. All right? You got me? If you're with me, say yes. Okay, like the 9.30 crowd, they, they finally started talking back to me a little bit. Y'all usually are pretty good about this. So when I say something today that you like, I want you to give me a yes. Practice it. Okay, well, um, I think at times our culture, though, likes to say, hey, don't judge. It's not your job to judge, but we always forget the second part because you're going to be judged. We know for a fact that's not Jesus' intention, but what did he mean? To judge means to separate, to pick out, to select, to choose. By implication, it means to condemn, to punish, to avenge, or conclude. It carries with it the idea of having 
discernment. The passage where Jesus said, do not judge or you too will be judged, goes on to show us how to have discernment, that love is the proper motivation for not judging and for using good judgment. You say, whoa, wait a minute, Chuck. That's where it gets confusing. The Bible, I know, somewhere in there says, don't judge. Just read that Matthew 7. But the Bible also says in places that you got to judge correctly. And you heard right. All right? Because the implication Jesus is saying is, don't judge others because you've got an entire lifetime that you need to spend working on you. But build enough discernment as a follower of Christ. Get, a, get enough maturity where you get off of pablum and baby food and grab a handful of filet of steak and live on that. Grow up where you have enough discernment to know what is evil and what is good and know the difference between being condemning and critical and assuming and being loving but not accepting. Are you with me? Thank you. It carries the idea that don't be judged or you too will be judged. But now watch this. It's not saying that if you don't judge, you're not going to be judged. The text literally says, do not judge others because you will be judged. You see, there's no question that God is going to judge each of us. And you say, well, Chuck, that's the part I don't like. Well, here's the good news and the bad news, okay? The good news is he's the only judge. The bad news is he's going to judge you. And there's no way out of that. At the end of the day, God's going to look at our life and say, did you choose my way through Christ so that I could forgive you for all of your selfishness and sin, or you didn't, period, done, over? You say, but Chuck, we're all on a mountain and we're coming in different ways, and oh. Well, how's that going to work out for you when God says, but here's my way, it's the only way, and you didn't choose it? You say, but that's offensive to me, Chuck. I know. The gospel by its nature is offensive. You know why it's offensive? Because we have to look in the mirror and recognize we are sinful men and sinful women. Now you say, but Chuck, I, I don't like to see myself in that light. I don't either. The problem is I am. And so as believers, I want to encourage us, God never asked you to park your brain. He asked you to be able to look in the mirror and have enough self-diagnosis where you could say, Lord, would you point out, as David said, every wicked way within me, bring it to the top of my head and the tip of my tongue that I might leave it with you, that you might forgive me. What are we not to judge? The Bible says we can't judge what is in somebody's heart. I had a lady several years ago, and I'll never forget it. She sat in my office, and uh, she didn't like our music. She didn't like how we do music. And uh, she said, Pastor, I am telling you. I mean, really, the finger was going at me. She said, Pastor, I am telling you. There is no way those people can worship to that music. And she was serious as a heart attack. And I wanted to take a step back because I thought lightning is going to bust through this ceiling and take her out right now. Because in my mind, I immediately replied, and it probably wasn't as gracious as it should have been. Matter of fact, I know it wasn't. And I said, I had no idea that God the Father and Jesus the Son gave you the job of being the Holy Spirit. 
that's awesome. Now, if you thought she was fired up first, you should have seen her then. It was not a proud pastor moment. You know, I should have been more gracious. I wasn't. But see, here's the problem. This morning, there are people worshiping where some dude's got a pointy hat and a robe, and you don't know their heart. Somewhere today, there's a, there's a clapboard church with 120 people in it, and they're, they're, they're singing uh, old hymns with, with hymnals, and they're worshiping because you don't know their heart. Over at Gwinnett Church, there are people worshiping, and you say, but I don't like that, but you don't know their heart. There are people over at Sugar Hill United Methodist, they're worshiping, but you say, but, I, that's, but we don't know their heart. The Bible says we can't judge what's in somebody else's heart. We might assign bad motives to someone. And we might assign bad motives when people ignore us, when in reality they're fighting hidden battles. They might have just learned their spouse is unfaithful or their child has leukemia or both. Or we may project good motives on someone in order to avoid conflict. To judge another person, are you ready, friend? To judge another person shows your pride. When I judged that lady, you know what I was really showing? I was showing my selfishness, my sinfulness, and my pride. When we judge others, we're showing the true pride of our life. Only God knows what's in somebody else's heart and the effort it takes for them to function right where they are. We might often assume that the late mom is irresponsible, but she might be a single mom working two jobs caring for a special needs child. We might not know what's going on and not attempt to know simply out of our terminal certainty of assumption. I saw a video earlier this week where a, a mom and a, and a child, you could tell she was a high school cheerleader and she had been accepted into the college that, that she couldn't wait to be a part of and her mom was trying to describe to her, honey, we can't afford it. But I got accepted, mom, but we can't afford it. So they made an appointment, they went to the bursar's office and they're sitting there and, and this guy said, well, it is your lucky day. Now, what do you think was about to happen? That some money came available. But you see, on their way into the building to see that bursar, they stepped onto the elevator, and the gentleman that stepped on the elevator with them, you know, he, uh, he was different than they were. And he, and he, was, he was not well-spoken. He was probably pretty, pretty poor. And he noticed this girl in the in the cheerleader uniform, and she said, you're a cheerleader. And they immediately stepped back and thought, whoa. I mean, all their spidey senses said, wait a minute, this, hold on. And so the mom changed places with the daughter, and the, the, I mean, all the walls went up. And when, when they stopped at the next exit, she pushed the button, even though it wasn't their floor, and asked this gentleman to exit. And so he did, and they went on up. They sat in the bursar's office, and he said, there's been a donor that's provided the ability for your daughter to go her entire freshman year paid for 100% complete. And they burst out in tears, and she said, isn't the Lord good? This is wonderful. And they're hugging, and she said, which company did this? We want to make sure we support them. And, and he said, well, it wasn't a company. It was an individual. I think he's in the building today. And he said, hang on. He picked up the phone, and he called his assistant. He said, could you find him? And in a minute, that same man that they had exited off of the elevator walked in, tears in his eyes. He said, I'm so happy it's you. My daughter was a cheerleader, and my wife and daughter were killed in an automobile accident, but I had saved money from the time she was a baby for her to go to college. 
We can't make assumptions without caring enough to know the story, the heartache, or the need. You know what makes Sugar Hill Church special? Is that prayerfully we're a people that would look at anybody, anytime, anywhere, and suspend our judgment long enough to see what God might have us do to engage with them with the love of Jesus our Lord. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't look at you with a judgmental spirit? John 7, 24 said, Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. We aren't to judge believers who practice their faith in ways different than us. We may decide someone is spiritually immature because they don't pray or dress or practice faith in the way we do, but we do that, don't we? I mean, it is our nature to do that. We get on board on, on, a, on a Twitter feed or a Facebook feed, and we just wear somebody out about how they teach or preach or dress or sing. Or Far too often we jump on a bandwagon of the mean string of comments, and honestly, I can't find anything about that action that honors the Lord. Nothing. I mean, we, some dude over there swinging by the chandeliers and they're screaming and going crazy and we're kind of uptight and we're just like, there's no way those people can worship. But you know what? We don't know their heart. Just because they don't do it the way we do it doesn't mean the way they do it is wrong. Just because they're different doesn't mean that they're bad. I know folks that are in, in, in literally, they're like the frozen chosen in church today. I mean, seriously, they got three-piece suits on top of three-piece underwear. They're just all wired up. And, I mean, there's a pastor that is just wearing them out on something, and they're worshiping. That's their deal, man. It's not mine, but it's theirs. We, we, we got people in churches that have great orthodoxy, and, you know, it may not be your gig, but it's theirs, but they're worshiping. We got guys on television that we love to wear out because he said that or didn't say this. And friend, listen to me. I believe the Lord is saying to us, stop that. Stop it. Stop looking at other believers and finding every stinking thing wrong with them and start looking in the mirror and asking the Lord to do an inspection of our own life. Don't judge because you're going to be judged. Now, maybe you don't like the tattoo she got. Or you don't like that he won't pray aloud in groups. Or maybe you don't like the fact that they sing that way. Or they dress that way and they sing. Or they get excited when they sing. Or they raise their hands in front of you and you can't see the screen. I literally had a lady that got bent out of shape last week because the service went 15 minutes longer because we had nine people that out of the blue chose to follow Jesus in believer's baptism. Let me just stop and say, okay, if you're more worried about your parking space or an extra four minutes to get off the parking lot than you are excited about nine people finding Jesus, search your heart. I said that nicely, but inside I didn't mean it because I'm fired up. Paul wrote this to the Romans in chapter 14. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, 
Let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Friend, when we stand before God, he is not going to ask why our friends or our family members did what they did. He's going to want to know what you did. He's not going to ask what, what somebody at your work thought of you. He's going to want to know what your heart thought and what you did to follow up on that heart. He will ask us to give an account of ourselves. To manage ourselves is a full-time job. The Holy Spirit does not need our help. He doesn't need our part-time help. He doesn't need our full-time help. We aren't to judge or to take vengeance on our enemies. Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 12, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And you say, well, Chuck, you don't know what they did to me. Well, let's just say it was horrible. Let's just say it was mean, it was nasty, and it was just, it just ate you up. And I mean, maybe for weeks inside, you're like, I'm going to get my pound of flesh when the time is right. But again, I know y'all are probably more spiritual than that. Or at least this group. Scripture says, if you think you knew how to deal with them, you ought to just step back and watch and see how the Lord does. You, 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 you want to you deal with that problem? Can I just say to you, I like to get angry. Jenny can tell you, I, I, can, get, I can get worked up like you can't believe. Like pe- pe- all of you that knew my dad, you knew him as sweet brother Ken. What a sweet man. A lady came up to me after 930. She said, I knew your daddy. He was so sweet. There's no way that story you told was true. And I thought, it's because you're on crack. Yeah. And my dad could get so mad. And he would always get most mad at himself. And I found that I'd do the same thing. I can be with Jenny and I'll be, we'll be out doing something. And I'll, I'll just, I can't believe it. I am so stupid. How dumb can that be? That is so ridiculous. And Jen will, I mean, she's pretty patient with me. She kind of reach over and she'll kind of, if she doesn't hit me, she'll kind of grab me. And She'll say, now, A, that's what she called me. She said, now, A, I know you want to go to in that hole, but none of us want to go there with you. <laughs> Bless the Lord. <laughs> you know the problem? She's so right. Listen, friend, we, we are not to judge or to discriminate other folks, but even the scriptures tell us, don't judge yourself. You say, wait a minute, i got to find where that one is. Well, let's deal with the Old Testament first. By the way, we're a church that still believes in the Old Testament, all right? So in Leviticus chapter 19, listen to what is written. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Now, I want you to remember that this is in the same Bible that said, this is what we're to do. Love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and love others as we love God ourselves. We're not to to discriminate, and we're not to judge. And over in James chapter 2, beginning verse 3, it says, if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, "You you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, you have not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. 
Listen, we're, we are breaking God's law when we decide that we're going to show favoritism or we're going to critique or judge or we're going to gossip about somebody else. You say, well, Chuck, back to that part about we're not even to judge ourselves. Listen, some of us have super sensitive little personalities and, and others of us are less sensitive. Do you know I have great ability? And, and this is amazing to me that after all these years, I haven't fixed this. I have the great ability to offend people and not even know it. I mean, can y'all believe that? about me sweet little old pastor chuck i can offend i've offended y'all and i didn't even know it you know what i've learned about that two things one if y'all love me you'll just tell me gracefully and if you love me enough you'll hold me accountable to say i'm sorry because see the issue isn't about whether we're right or not the issue is can we be right and so when you look at that, you say, wait a minute. We're supposed to simultaneously grow a softer heart and a thicker skin. Don't let everything offend you. Don't let, it, don't let everything think that it's all about you. The Apostle Paul said, listen to this. He wrote to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians. He said, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Come on, that's good. He's saying, listen, let God deal with that. Stop, stop wallowing in the time that you're spending of the kingdom time and the life you've been giving criticizing everything else, including yourself, just get right. Take whatever it is in your life that you need to deal with and bring it to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, here it is. Listen, friend, those who criticize others invite criticism. Have you ever noticed that when, when you think about this, that you say to your kids, you know what, the, the, the dish fairy doesn't come by and get that dish and put it in the in the dishwasher, you know, we do that. So you get your lazy hind end up and get your dish and you take not to the sink, all the way to the dishwasher. Are you with me? Any parents with me? Yeah. If you have preschoolers and you're thinking, my angel would never do that, buckle up. Because when you say that about five different times, but then that night that you're pretty tired that you leave your glass and your dish sitting there by your chair in the den, you know what you're going to hear? Hey, Dad. And that's when you say, well, you ain't getting a car. Because that's kind of a parental right, you know. Friend, listen, those scales of justice, they're not blind. God is looking at them. You are not to judge others because you have an entire lifetime, and it's going to take that entire lifetime to work on you. I need to spend every time I can trying to fix me. For every minute that we spend judging and criticizing others, we're probably losing 20 or 30 minutes of our own self-help. Because we've spent all the energy we've got to find what's wrong with somebody else. As followers of Jesus, what we see in the mirror, and more importantly, what the Lord points out in our time of meditation, is more than a lifetime's worth of effort and surrender without wasting a second judging, gossiping, or critiquing others. And you say, but Chuck, it's just a doggone fun. I mean, we can go to lunch, and we can talk about everything that was wrong at church. Judge not. Because you're going to be judged. 
You say, well, Chuck, is it ever appropriate to judge? Well, the Bible denounces fault finding, but it applauds fruit inspecting. All right, now this is a really fine line that I want to make sure we get. Matthew says in chapter 7, verse 17, by their fruit, you will recognize them. If a person has a pattern of wrong or hurtful behavior, that information helps us make sound decisions. Ephesians says in chapter 5, where Paul wrote, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. You say, well, how do I expose them? Well, let me tell you how not to, okay? The way we don't expose them is social media. That's mean. Love is not involved in critical, mean-spirited conversations. How we expose them is one, can we speak directly with them? If you can't speak directly with them, disengage. You say, well, Chuck, do you know what he said on his television program? Don't watch. Well, thank you. Do you know? Even that kid got it. I mean, you say, Chuck, that girl, she, she's, a, she's a popular singer, and did you hear what she said on that radio interview in Los Angeles? Yeah, but, you, I mean, she's on the spot, and you had no idea. I mean, come on, if you were in that space, are you going to answer everything perfectly too? Because, honestly, I don't think any of you answer everything perfectly this week. Did any of you go this week, and you did everything, like, perfectly to God's standard? Anybody? Anybody? I got to tell you, I, I have messed up 148 times since about 6 a.m., Plenty of folks struggle because they suppress negative vibes that they pick up. They don't want to appear judgmental. But listen to what Jesus said. Be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. So how do you judge wisely? Well, while we're, not to, while we're to judge not, that's in as belittle, as punishment, as con- condemnation. We are to use sound judgment as in be discerning, evaluating, and responding in gracious no thanks. The rest of Matthew 7 explains how we do this. Listen, ask God to remove the prejudices and the preferred assumptions that block your vision. Listen to what Matthew says beginning in verse 3 in chapter 7. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get that speck out of your eye when you can't see the past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Ask God for discernment. God promises that everyone who asks receives. If you read through the end of verse 11, what you would hear is Jesus saying, ask, ask, knock, knock, you will receive. What are we to ask for? We're to ask for wisdom. We're to ask for discernment. You say, well, Chuck, I know I need that because I've got a critical judgment at spirit. Or you know what? My wife has one. Or better yet, my husband, he's got a critical judgmental spirit. Okay, let me just stop and make all this easy for you. We all do. It's just, it's easy. The most simple thing in the world is to say, hey, look, look at this. Look how bad that guy is or how she is. Here's what the scripture says. No one is righteous, not even one. You say, well, who wrote that? Well, Romans chapter 3, verse 10. No one is righteous, including that author, not even one. You say, well, Chuck, then how do I know it's right? Because God inspired those words through imperfect people that gave us the scripture that says, according to God... No one is righteous, not even one. Judge not, lest you be judged. It begins 
with a chapter that warns against evil influences. God doesn't want us to hurt other people, neither does he want us to be victims of harm. Critical judgmental spirits tear down the body of Christ. It crushes tender spirits and it causes people to hide their spiritual gifts. But discernment protects the church and will protect you. Well, how do you get this wisdom and discernment? Every day you ask for it. Listen to it. This is what the text says. Knock, ask, receive. All right? I want you to try to do this with me. Here, take your hand. Here's the door. Do this. Come on. I know y'all are too cool for it. Go ahead. All right? The rest of you are having a hard time figuring out which door that one is. Yeah. All right. So, all right. Take the other one. Knock. Harder net. Come on. Okay, watch this. Door opens. Lord, I need discernment and wisdom today. Say it with me. Lord, I need discernment and wisdom today. Will you give that to me? Watch this. Door stays open. Yes. Here you go. What do you do? Thank you. Now I want to act on it. I want to live in it. I want to trust it. I want to rest in it. Judge not, lest you be judged. Critical judgmental spirits are always going to tear down, not build up the body of Christ. Listen, friend. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14 teaches this. Solid food is for those that are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Now, what this is saying is, Every one of us as followers of Jesus have the ability to knock, ask, answer, and receive. Well, every time you do that, you grow and mature a little more. You say, but Chuck, is it really that simple? Knock, ask, receive, act on it. Well, then, Chuck, you mean any of us then could be wise and discerning? Absolutely. Judge not. Like all of Jesus' commandments, it's summed up in love. Romans chapter 13, 10, love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Friend, lay down the gavel, hang up the robe, grow up spiritually, and know the ways of God. Be wise, be loving, be filled with grace, and overwhelmed by his mercy. Judge not, lest you be judged. You say, well, Chuck, can you give me just a couple of simple things that will help me do it? Yes, you ready? All right, don't miss this. Number one, tomorrow morning, listen to the weekday podcast. Five minutes a day, five days a week, all you're going to get is Scripture. You get done with that, listen to the weekday meditation. Five minutes a day, five days a week. Guided meditative prayer to let you have a time to receive that wisdom and discernment. Get your copy of Power Routines to get Scripture in you. Get prayer in you, get gratitude in you. You can do the whole thing in 15 minutes. You say, Chuck, you mean 15 minutes could change my life and lose my judgmental attitude. I could become more of a Christ follower and I could walk with Jesus if I just take 15 minutes. The answer is knock, ask, answer, receive, do. How do I do that? Weekday podcast, weekday meditation, power routines, get in the word. And I promise you, friend, God will use you in a special way. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful that in your love for us, you take all of our judgmental and critical spirits, you take all of our sin and all of our selfishness, and when we knock and ask you to forgive us, you throw them completely away, and you clean us up and you make us new. You empty us of our sin and our selfishness and our judgment and You fill us up with your grace and your mercy and your love to the point of overflowing 
that our natural action as a growing and maturing believer is that we don't have to be critical. We, we simply can be more Christ-like. Lord, for each of us, when we walk out of this room today, let us walk out without a critical spirit, but more Christ-like in all of our actions and our thoughts and our deeds and our ways. Lord, it is in you that we want to rest and we want to lay down our anger and we want to lay down our anxiety and we want to leave you with all of that because you can handle all of it and you'll throw it as far as the east is from the west. And Lord, we want to trust you today. God, I believe there are people watching online or this morning, eight or nine folks said, I need Jesus in my life so that I can work through whatever they're dealing with. So today, if you're in this room or watching online and you say, Chuck, I, w- I want to trust Jesus like that. Well, the Bible says just call on his name. Just say, Jesus, I, I want you to come into my life and make me new. I, I, I want to live for you. I don't, I don't want to live for me anymore. I, I haven't been doing such a good job with it myself. And I want to thank you, Jesus. You died for me and you were buried and you rose from the dead for me. And I thank you that there's heaven waiting for me because I've trusted you. And if that's, if that's your heart, that's what you say, I want to settle today. Just raise your hand so I can see who you are. Yeah, amen. 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 Wow. Four or five more folks today. So, yeah, that's, that's me. Oh, friend, I promise you, this, this Jesus we talk about, he's, he's the real deal. And he'll walk with you through everything you've got going on because he loves you. Lord, we are grateful that you never gave up on us that you can replace every critical spirit with a Christ-like tone and a Christ-like attitude and we can trust you and walk in you. Let us walk out of here today with the gratitude that you let us live in the greatest nation on the planet. Let us walk out of here with the firm foundation that we can trust you and we we don't have to try and play the Holy Spirit because we can trust him to do everything you want him to do. Give us the spirit of graciousness and kindness And Lord, that's how our world will be changed for such a greater place. And so it's in the name of Jesus I offer this prayer and these sweet people. Amen. So today as you leave, let that Jesus go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. That's what he does. Let that Jesus go within you and bring you peace and joy, discernment, wisdom, and contentment because he is always good and listen friend listen you are always loved and when when the days just get to be unbearable hop on the back of Jesus his shoulders are big enough and strong enough to carry you through the middle of whatever difficulty you're going through because friend he's not going to walk you around it he wants to walk you through it so you can remember who carried you only so he can set you down victoriously on your two feet. And he can wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his arms around you. And then he can look at you eyeball to eyeball. And he can say, my child, say it with me, I love you. Go America, go in peace.